When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Fat Lot of Good podcast. It's me, Helen Thorne. I'm back. I'm doing a new series. Uh, I am a comedian. I'm a writer. I am one half of the Scummy Mummies. I love that I'm reading this off the sheet. Like I don't know who I am. <laughs> anyway, good start. Back, back on track. Anyway, I am delighted today to have the amazing Melissa Thompson, aka Foul Mouth Food. Hello, Melissa. Hello, Helen. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm very good because I've just sat in your beautiful, newly renovated kitchen, and uh, listener, she made me a full breakfast. And not just some sweaty bacon. No, no, no. We had some, was it merguez sausages? Uh, Some beautifully cooked tomatoes, a poached egg, a griddled toast, halloumi, and some homemade baked beans. Guess what, listeners? We're doing a food lover special. There we are. So I've decided I invite invite Melissa along because I've been a long-term fan. And also, she lives around the corner from me. It's convenience, isn't it? Basically, basically convenience. And she said she was going to cook me breakfast. So here we go. <laughs> so uh, for the listener, can you describe who you are? Who are you, Melissa Thompson? Um, I am a... Um, if I, I work in food. Um, mm-hmm. I, I take pictures of food and I cook a lot of food. In fact, the cooking should come first, shouldn't it? Yeah, really? you, you like cook, then food. take the photo. take photos. Um, yeah. And I used to be a journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I used to run a pop-up cooking food. Um, and now I, yeah, sort of... food. Like, Farm Miles Food is like a food and recipe project kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and I'm a mum yeah. as well. Um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a lesbian. Excellent. Which, you know... <laughs> She's a mum and a lesbian. <laughs> Amazing scene. I, like I like to throw that in. <laughs> She's Lesbanese. <laughs> Have you been? Yeah. I mean, once or twice. <laughs> the weather's good. Yeah, it's excellent down there. Um, now, um, and also, what's your background? Because you say on your blog, you're English, Jamaican, Maltese. Yes, is that right? Yeah, so so my dad is Jamaican, my mum is Maltese, mm. um, and I was born, born here. They met in Malta. My dad was in the Navy. Um, oh, and wow. they met in a in a club dancing nice. back in the day. Their eyes met across a room yeah, and that was yeah, it. Yeah. Amazing. My dad's little drive. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So have you had, what's your sort of connection with both the Jamaica and Malta then? Have you got much, uh, do you go back there? And um, Yeah, so my parents have now retired back to Malta. So I go there probably a couple of times a year because mm-hmm. um, it's so close. I've only been to Jamaica once and that was my dad's return visit after he left. Yeah. Um, he left when he was nine. And so it was quite... Like Jamaica's an interesting country. You have to do it properly, and I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure what we did. It was, um, 
yeah, it's a bit hectic. Yeah, I guess that's something. And of course, now you're you've got a daughter, and so she's got all these lovely connections to worlds. And it's your partner. What's her What's her background? So she's um, sort of very Celtic, so half Irish and half Welsh. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so it's a bit of a melting pot. Yeah, amazing. And I've I've actually, and this sounds a weird thing to say, I've sampled your parents' Maltese oil. Of course, yes. So Melissa hand-delivered a, a, a tin of oil that was hand-pressed from your own parents. Yes. Well, and me. And you. Yeah, I go out there and then we all pick and, and get it pressed. Mm. Um, and I remember I came to your house um, to drop it off and I was telling you, I was trying to be all earnest about how it's sort of nice olive oil and you said, can I have it on crumpets? And at first I thought you were being serious. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, of course you can. <laughs> Literally have it anywhere you like. There, take my oil. <laughs> Well, so so where's your where does your love of food come from? Does your was that something really big part of your family life growing yeah, up? Yeah, definitely. So my dad's always been like well into food, and my mum, I think for my mum, which is probably quite a similar setup. So like my dad, because he was in the navy, was away a lot. Um, so my mum had to cook, and I think we all like I think if we're parents, you will feel that when it's you're cooking out of necessity, it's a bit of a pain in the ass, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, and so my dad, um, my dad really sort of liked cooking, and because he travelled a lot, he'd always pick up. He sort of he like, he'd try something abroad, and they want to cook like cook with it. Yeah. Um, and I think he because he went to the first Gulf War, um, and I think that's when I fir- I cooked my first dinner for for my mum, and I got a chicken I tried to microwave it in the uh, tried to defrost it in the microwave um, and which is always it... nice and crusty on the outside <laughs> yeah. and then just leaves a little pink puddle from yes. the blood <laughs> yes it's very <laughs> like a chimney chicken lollipop <laughs> <laughs> cold um, and then yeah I think I just tried to experiment and then when I, when I went to uni and I wanted to there was a massive disconnect so, so you grew up in, in Dorset as a mixed race uh, girl um how was that was it did you oh it's a great laugh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds amazing <laughs> was it were there many other children of color or people of color children of color obviously you grew into white people no <laughs> <laughs> people of color in dorset i mean it's um, not renowned for for no no back in the 80s it really yeah. was i mean there's my brother yeah um, <laughs> He was close by. <laughs> no, there, there wasn't. Like it was, it was a very white primary school. I actually went. To, I went to boarding school for for secondary school, and that was in Suffolk, which was which was equally like white. In fact, no, it's probably a bit, a tiny bit more mixed. Mm. Um, it, it, like at, at the time, I didn't really sort of read, like. I almost didn't realize that I was different. That mm. I was a different color to people, and um, and so it was just. Um, it's just really weird because you sort of think like my body's different, my hair's different, yeah. Um, and you know, like I want, I really wanted my hair to swing in a ponytail, and I couldn't understand why. The swishy, it didn't. The yeah, swishy, the swishy, yeah. and I never had a swish. I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't even fashion it into a, into a ponytail. Never mind it swishing. Um, and I guess it's just that thing of sort of standing out, really. And I think, I think, um, I don't know. It's quite hard for me because you know, getting into like a bit of trouble, it's hard for me to think back and think, was I? that much naughtier than other people or was it just that I stood out more um, yeah. and I was a bit and, and, and people sort of had perceptions of you know sort of maybe like black children being unruly um, mm. it, it, what, what's really interesting is that as an adult now growing up in a very white area I think it's created quite a lot of conflict in me which I'm kind of working through of having almost like a, a mainstream perspective but then living that 
perspective through a very different in a different very different body to to the norm um, yeah. which it's it's really interesting so you end up I was talking to someone recently about having to unlearn a lot of um thinking about yeah um just like like your perceptions I mean my, my parents used to read the Daily Mail do you know what I mean and so my brain's as poisoned as the rest of people <laughs> and it's like it's it's quite sort of yeah it's a bit fucked up basically it is very yeah, yeah. 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 and yeah. that's how, I mean obviously the world has moved on a bit but then ugh, we're in 2020 and we've got Johnson in power we've got Trump in power we've got in Australia Scott Morrison who you know oh, God, yeah. fucking blatant racist and that those ideologies are are seeping through the cracks again yes. you sort of so does, do you feel kind of and and we've just had a, a whole a lot of people from the Windrush generation who have been sent um sent well I was going to say sent home they're not sent mm. home because this is their home um does that make you fearful for your for your, yourself I guess and your child and um, we have got bigger faith in humanity than no. Yeah. To be honest, like I, I have, I, I, I like I, I don't really because I think I mean look, you look at history and, mm. I, and I think it would be really naive to think that nothing bad can ever happen like that. Yeah, can never happen again. Mm. Um, and you know you think about sort of the demonization of people at the moment, whether it's sort of Chinese people because of COVID, like you know, yeah. or um or sort of the anti-muslim kind of rhetoric mm. and, and actually it, it's just always moving it's always like the target's always moving and and yeah. and, and i think you know it, it was like the last election people were kind of like hopeful that it wasn't going to be another tory landslide and and i'd had too much disappointment by that you know like sort of brexit and everything else and it was like guys it's not going to be good like prepare yourselves yeah and um and, and so, so i think you know like living here and in our in our bubbles and you think actually a lot of the, the rest of the country are maybe that they're not on the same page no at all which is quite an isolating thing really you know it is because we live in a borough of lewisham which is one of like the safest labor seats <laughs> we live in this lovely thing here everyone's in the arts and we all live these and then you realize no no it's not like that outside our little yes. kind of yeah our our um what's i was gonna say not the uh, yeah it is this little kind of yeah uh echo chamber yeah where we all sort of feel and uh, think the same. I know when my kids had a mock election, and I think ninety-seven percent voted Labour. Really? <laughs> it's cool. So, you know. Um, well, whereas I remember in Weymouth, I remember um, um, I had some friends, um, Hannah and Lara, and and their parents were the first Labour voters um, that I'd ever met, and I remember just being like, "Fuck!" Like, <laughs> and you're normal. Like, yeah. like, are you meant to be the devil in Yeah, the, yeah they're they? the other. Mm, they become yeah, the other. Yeah. When when here we're like. Who would who would even say they voted Brexit or Tory yeah. in in uh, in South East London? <laughs> get out! Get out! So no, um, no, yeah, we 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 live in a very nice place, but mm. but yeah, the reality is that people don't think the same as no, us. No, they don't. No, they don't. Idiots. Mm. Um, <laughs> Fuck you! I won't, I won't have it. Um, um, and I want to go back to um, boarding school uh, and and being a teenager, and obviously, so you a lot of your puberty and your growing and all that sort of stuff away from home mm. and what so was it an all girls no so, so it was mixed school but it, it had been just boys um mm. and i think we were the second year of girls um so they were still a bit like all kind of girls mm. um and but so you're in sort of single sex houses yeah um and so like it was quite i remember when i, I started my period and um so my friend emma who was still sort of really good friends now and um and i showed her my pants <laughs> <So> <laughs> I've no. started my period and she was like, get them out my fucking face. <laughs> Why would I want to see this? Why would you want to see this amazing scene? 
That's a first on the podcast. I've never heard anybody. <laughs> but it is because we in my house speak really openly about peer. Like my daughter is eleven; she can't wait to get. It. I was like, no, seriously, it's okay. You can hold off for a few. But they're they're so oh, that generation is so open about talking about bodies, and also like my sister um, has a wife, so the kids talk about being gay. Oh, just as well. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So she, so the kids have been to a lesbian wedding and they've, uh, you know, all those sort of things. So that is just normalised. You have, you know, you... Well, they weren't, they weren't really confused and like, that's <laughs> going to no. see someone. <laughs> so you're just like, what? Auntie Claire has a, has a girlfriend. They're like, oh, that's nice. She's a nice lady. It was like, yeah, she's a nice lady. And that was it. There wasn't, so I just sort of think, because my dad's a vicar and so growing up, it was quite conservative, even though he, we're sort of Labour family. Um, but, yeah, that was never talked about. And also the representation of gay was always a man, wasn't yes. it? Yes, yeah. It was, it was, you know, it was a flamboyant entertainer, yes. you know. Yeah. Um, so Har- Harmless as well. Like, like, like yeah. having to be really kind of innocent. Like, I guess innuendos, but it's like, you know, oh, I'm gentle, I'm not going to, I'm completely non-threatening. Yeah, yeah. And it had, to, and had enough otherness that it wasn't, too much like yes, you. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, because I've been, um, recently read Sue Perkins' book and uh, Sandy Toxfield's book, and they were saying about just lesbians just haven't been, uh, hasn't been represented properly in the media for a very long time mm-hmm. or ever. And, and, and when Sandy was outed by the Daily Mail, like they were pressed outside her house and she had to leave, hop over the back fence with her wife and children and hide for two weeks because they were completely hounded and she um, lost um, speaking roles and all sorts of things. And this wasn't that long ago. So, um, and when, so when did you, when did you come out? When was that sort of? So I came out, I think when I was about 20, like my mid to late twenties. And so me and my friends, because a few of my friends have come out um, sort of in later life and we we, we like to call ourselves the late to it lesbians um, because it's (laughs) like, but but it's interesting because I think, I think, you know, this idea about visibility, I think is really important because it's not just, it's not just about kind of um, like sort of normalising like being gay and stuff like that. Well, no, it is. In fact, no, that is what it is about. It's, but it's, it's not just about like being there. It's about kind of showing people that that it is an option, just like... Mm. Because um, because for me, because you said you know like your dad's a vicar, so my dad's Jamaican and my mum is uh, Maltese Catholic, and mm. so on paper they're maybe like not the ideal people that you'd want to come out to, but they've yeah. always been completely cool. But for me, it was just more of a lack of realization um, that, that that what I felt actually meant I was gay. I just thought I had quite intense female friendships and stuff, which I did. Yeah. Um, but then sort of sometimes the feeling like like waking up and like just thinking like going to bed thinking about someone and waking up thinking about them, it's like oh you know actually this this is what it is. So mm-hmm. it was a bit of a, and I think had I seen more gay people around had that been just part of the narrative like the day-to-day narrative there may be yeah I I wouldn't change anything because had I come out earlier I would never have met Kate and we wouldn't have our daughter yeah but and also um the more I hear like learn about people like Sandy Totsvig and and you know like Katie Lang and stuff like that like people that you've just always known are Mm. gay women and now like I'm looking back and learning about sort of queer history I'm thinking fuck man they were proper trailblazers and they deserve like all the respect in the world for for taking that on their shoulders because look up 
or everyone else who's still in the closet. And, mm. and it's not to say that they should come out of the closet, because yeah. I can understand the fear that they would have, especially if their mindset, like Philip Schofield, is still kind of back in the yeah. back in the day. But you just sort of think, like, respect, man, to Sandy Totsvig, who I've, 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 I bumped into. No, I didn't bump into her, so she doesn't know who the No, she's stalked her. She, she was outside her house. Um, she lives down the road. <laughs> I saw her outside St. David's. I really oh. wanted to say hello, but I just thought, bless her, you'll just make yourself. I know she uh, I think her uh, stepdaughter is at the same ballet school as my daughter and she was like at the same concert I was like no Helen hold back hold back hold back she probably saw me just staring at her but which is less weird obviously than actually saying hello to another human being (laughs) (laughs) but no it is so important I I sort of feel like um, we just need to be reminded of it because obviously you know society is moving on but it wasn't that long ago where people well, yeah, I mean, there was a lesbian couple who were, were bashed up on the bus, was it last yes. year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like, yeah. how is this still, how is this still going? How is that, where is this hate mm. coming mm. from and this ignorance? But, um, oh gosh, it's all got very serious. We should go back to delicious food. Um <laughs> <laughs> into the park run which we have of course mentioned on the podcast before is just a wonderful not only i guess for physical but mental um benefits as well there's all these wonderful people out in the park cheering you on was it a nice sort of reintroduction to kind of sport again for yeah you? yeah it's been it's been um like I went to body camp um, last year. I remember being terrified before I went because I thought it was going to be it's like this um, sort of fitness retreat. And I remember being terrified thinking everyone else was going to be really fit. And mm. some of them were. Like, I think they got like level 15 on the bleep test. Or something. <gasps> it was ridiculous. I know. So the bleep test is when they you run from one point to another and the beeps get shorter and shorter. Yes. So you've basically got to run. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I just didn't try. I think I was too terrified. Oh, so you didn't do the bleep test? Oh, I did it. But like, you know, I didn't, I didn't try. I think I, is it like I think for the, to get in the police you need to be five get to five or six and so yes. I got to five or six and I was not that I want to join the police <laughs> but you could but I, yeah <laughs> I, I want to, and I, I say no to yeah. the police um, and then and and I think so I, like is it I guess this year I've started getting back into park run because mm. um, I did a ten k last year and everything um, I mean it's nothing compared to your half marathon but it was, uh, you know I don't like to talk about <laughs> running really nobody knows that I run. Um, <laughs> That's a good thing about running. No one talks about it. Um. <laughs> anyway, can we carry on about me talking about my, my yeah, running? Please. And um, <laughs> and, um, and and what's good, like I said, my, my half Kate, she's she like, she loves running, um, and she's the opposite. So she if she's stressed out, she runs. Whereas like the idea of running stresses me out. Mm. Um, and and it, like in my head, I have to remind myself. So I'm just like, stop, 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 stop. Yeah, Why are you running? Why are you running? And then I have to remind myself that actually I'm not in pain. And um, and and recently I've been thinking like that you know I'm I'm lucky to have like working legs and I'm lucky yeah. to have like to, to have like, health to run and that's how mm. to help me get get around. But Kate's very good. If I ever say I don't want to go on a Saturday morning, she's just like, but you know you're going to feel good at the end of it. And she doesn't yeah. put a lot of pressure on, but um, just enough, just get- enough to get me out of there. And I, yeah. and I do. I feel I feel really good. And I feel like even though it's not loads, it's only five k a week. It's um it's something. It's maintenance, mm. right? Yeah, maintenance. Oh, absolutely. And I, I just get all high from like the volunteers. I'm like, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And just, just people smiling and everyone having a go. And I've never felt, you know, I'm not very fast. Like the fa- fastest I can run uh, 5K, th- about 34 minutes, which is not fast, but it's faster than I was when I started off. I think the first time I did a 5K, it was like 54 minutes. And then it's just slowly, Amazing. slowly, slowly, slowly got got faster but yeah I never feel ashamed in it and it's such a transition to 
being at school and I was very bad at sport. And so all those hang-ups I think you have carried you carry with you. But you were, you said you were quite good at sport or you loved sport as a child. Yeah, then. I did. Yeah. And like, you know, I was in um, like a lot of the teams and stuff and it was... Um, yeah, like, I, like it, it was just completely normal. And then now mm. I look back on it, and I think that it was really lucky that I had that because of all the, you know, like traveling to different schools and stuff and playing in, in thingies. And I never really thought about my body and not being able to mm. do things. And now I think actually for people who weren't that sporty at school, and, and it's a bit, I think, you know, I think this is the thing about education, isn't it? I think it focuses, like it needs to be completely varied to give everyone a chance because everyone's good at different things. Yeah. And I think equal weight needs to be put on all of those things. Yeah, exactly right. Are you listening, the Tories? Anyway, <laughs> no, they're not. They would never listen to this podcast. Um, and so going back to your relationship with your body now and food, because obviously our bodies and how we think of them is intrinsically linked to food. And also, I think as women, we're always told or have been previously to eat less, to not like outwardly show how much you love food mm-hmm. and I just remember as a child with um it was a bit of a put down she's like oh Helen she loves her food because I was always a bit chubby and I always thought that that shouldn't be a derogatory term and so now when you see um there's much more of an emergence of female um, chefs and obviously yourself in um blogging and food that that women are almost allowed to enjoy food or, or outwardly go, oh, I love this sort of thing, but which is meant to be almost brandished a bit unfeminine or, or whatever. But I don't know, how. What, what's your sort of perception of... I, I think it's really interesting because I think there is this um, idea where people can be, like, you know, I think that like female chefs are getting a lot more... Uh, becoming a lot more prominent, which I think mm. is good because you know for like for a long time it was definitely sort of men having that being the public face of food, even though it was women grafting in the kitchens at, at home. Yeah. Um, but then I think there's also a bit of a danger, like you know, doing sort of on social media. I think there is a bit of a disconnect sometimes between all this amazing looking food and people eating it, and you kind of think you're not eating that food. Like clearly you're not eating that food. Yeah. You know what I mean because. If you were eating it, you'd probably look a bit more like me, kind of thing. Like <laughs> yeah, you have yeah. like saddlebags at least. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, um, and and then I think some of it maybe is like a sort of heading maybe into the slightly sort of like fetishization of like especially very sort of attractive like sort of or classically beautiful women with all this like food. I don't know. It's like mm. almost like a bit. You can imagine sort of like some blokes kind of almost getting off on that. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. A bit, it's a bit weird, but I, I I think it's generally moving into a bit of a uh, more positive uh, in a positive direction like uh, you know the, the idea of say like a man and a woman going on a date and then her not ordering something that she wants to eat because she doesn't want to come across as being greedy or yeah. like you know like a woman who loves her food mm. is um is quite heartbreaking so I, I'd like to think that it, things are changing yeah because I, I was sort of in the lead up to this podcast I was sort of thinking well then there was that the emergence of someone like Nigella on the food scene who who ate the food she was preparing. She wasn't like, you know, I was thinking back to like Delia and other sort of iconic British sort of female food people where everything was very neat and like presented yes. nicely. But then people like Nigella came onto the scene and it was it was a bit sexy and, and delicious and oozy and all that sort of thing. And I guess moving into that sort of fetishization. But it's always been very yeah man focused can can I say about Nigella what I really raised about Nigella is how she did it guilt free and Mm. it was like I'm gonna put 
three blocks of butter into my like Kellogg's in the morning. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And I know it's not ideal, but I'm going to do it anyway. Coke. Oh, it ham and it. Coke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Classic. Sorry, yeah. I keep it in your No, no. That, I mean, that's what I. That's what I think as well. That that we're allowed to enjoy food because mm. there's been so much, especially with all the you know we've just got through January where it's all like cut back and restrict and hold back and all that sort of stuff and um because what i love about your instagram um it is just so joyous and and your stories are amazing and one of my favorite things you ever did was the chicken wing challenge <laughs> can you tell the listener about that so i got i mean it was very elegant <laughs> it's so hard it's really difficult yeah. so so frank's who make the like sort of hot sauce challenged me to see how many Wings I could eat in like sixty seconds, or no, thirty seconds. It yeah. was thirty seconds, um, and um, and so I had to make some wings. I made sort of classic buffalo a blue cheese sauce on the side. One of the um, best things you can put in your mouth. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and these, yeah, I, I think I managed three. Yeah, it's really difficult. Yeah, yeah. Try it at home, people. Yeah. Have you yours? tried it? No, no. Um, I I just thought I couldn't. If you could just do three, I can't. I couldn't do better than that. That's, That's really an amazing thing. What are your sort of go to dishes then? Like if you, um, you're at home, you're like, oh, I need a dish that will make me feel better. What's what are your? Um, I love I love. Um, so I I make a big batch of ragu. I've always got uh, ragu in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. And, and there's so many things you can do with a ragu. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to do a little series on 10 things you can do with a ragu. Um, so <laughs> watch, watch this space. Ragu time. That's how, that's how interesting things are in this house. But um, I think, I think. look, if anyone like me is a woman in their 40s, like anything that can simplify and just cut out a bit of time. Also, I just have no time to think about stuff. Mm-hmm. The only time I actually got creative with my cooking was when I became vegan for a couple of months. And then I actually had to think about what I was cooking because otherwise it would have just been pasta with tomato yeah, sauce. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, That's vegan. Did you enjoy being a vegan? I loved it. Okay. I absolutely loved it. Um, and, you know, uh, let's say I, I'm, I, yeah, I felt high. I felt completely different and you know and so much i should probably be vegan now but i i think it was just me being lazy as well yeah. how about you because you did it i think you did it at the same time a couple of years ago yeah so it was yeah. last January, not this january just gone the one the one before and at yeah. first I, I was like this is amazing um i never want to eat meat, meat again yeah um oh god i'm a meat eater though like it was almost like a bit of an identity crisis yeah and then i started to get a bit bored um and then um i went to take photos of someone who was doing a residency and um and cooked he like it was of like a four rib of beef and obviously that just oh. I, I, I ate it yeah <laughs> and, it, and it was like a group of us kind of like you know giving feedback and yeah. everyone else was long gone and i was still there and he made this like chicken that was stuffed with um truffle and like stuff and um and i was just there picking like this chicken for you went off the wagon or on the wagon or whatever it is it is, um, and, yeah, it's great that, that there's a bit of a shift towards more plant-based because obviously for environmental reasons, but also I just felt better for it. And I, yeah. It's really interesting though because I think, I think like you've got the vegan the vegans kind of going, right, we we basically want to have a meat-free world, world. And then you've got like the kind of meat eaters and especially what I found is that the meat eaters, but those were all like the people working in meat, working in good meat, like sustainable mm. meat. And got kind of really at each other's throat. And it's like, actually, I think you guys have probably got more in common than this massive group of people in the middle who are producing, you know, like really intensively farmed anim- like meat yeah. where the animals have a really shit life. And it's just like, actually, I think just 
like we need to focus our, our ire on, on, on those people and everyone mm. just needs to eat a bit less meat yeah. and, and eat a lot better meat. Yeah, no, I think that's right. We have, um, so Melissa and I, as I said, just live around the corner from each other and we have this amazing butcher called The Butchery uh, and it is a joy to give them money because mm. I know that they've they've carefully selected the meat, you know that they're, you know, the money's just going to them, all that sort of thing. So I'm trying now to sort of eat less meat during the week, but also when I do buy meat, I'm trying to buy something a bit better. And it's not, when it, when it comes down to it, it's like I'd rather buy one big kind of steak and enjoy that than yes. sort of, well, my kids would eat Sainsbury's sausages every day. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what's inside them, but they like them. Um, but, yeah, and trying to get the kids to kind of understand where the food comes from and all that sort of stuff, even though, yeah. They just you think chicken nuggets come from McDonald's. Um, <laughs> and are you trying to introduce different foods for your? So was it Ada's too? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah so she's um, like she eats really well for her childminder classic, and then mm. is quite fussy when she comes here. But then uh, you know I think she's like she's quite good, and, and I think now that we're we've just had some work done and now that she can sit on the, the counter mm. and watch me cook has made a massive difference like I made a kedgeroo the other day and if I'd stuck that's a plate like of kedgeroo fish, fishy rice yeah like smoke <laughs> oh because like it's I guess you don't have it in Australia no no that's not not a thing okay, no okay. okay so is this a British yeast well I think it's sort of like like sort of it's a bit of a colonial thing isn't it okay. sort of like because it's got spices and it's like this kind of spiced rice um, dish made with smoked haddock and it's oh, amazing yeah. so it's yeah. a really good brunch dish and um, you can have it with a poached egg um, if you if you want, um, and if I'd put a plate of that in front of in front of her, um, and she didn't know what it was, she would have just like stuck her fingers up at me. Mm. She was, I mean, she's two, so she wouldn't have done. But um, <laughs> she's because got she, a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah, give her time. <laughs> but because she saw me uh, making it, and then mm. she was trying a bit of haddock because we were doing it. Um, so I'm I'm happy about that. I think I think because it goes back to that demystific- demystification of food, and I think mm. when you know the process. Um, and you get to see it because also you asked about how, how I got into food I worked my first job when I was 15 was working in a delica- delicatessen ah. back in Dorset and we'd get these massive truckles of cheese um, and, and like blue cheese which I never liked blue cheese but then working with it and it's just like that saltiness and that grittiness of the like the edges under your fingers and you just grow to love like love it yeah um, and so that really helped um, kind of broaden my horizons yeah where where is Falmouth Foods going now so you you're you're you photograph delicious food, you make delicious food. What's sort of next for you kind of professionally? So I'm going to really um, build up on the sort of recipe development now, mm-hmm. which is something I've been itching to do for a while, but without a kitchen to, to do it in, I haven't been able to. Um... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So a lot of that's going to go on my... Um, on my website um, and yeah I just want to build that up really because I have so many ideas all the time mm. and I sort of want to do more and I think it's quite um, it's quite I think like the food I come up with is quite easy to follow it's not that complicated yeah um, so that's what yeah that's kind of what I want to do excellent and where can people find you what's your handle um, so it's at foul mouth food foul with a w yeah uh, chicken yeah. Um, poultry um, and then my website is foulmouths.co.uk yeah Follow it now. Now, we like to end the Fat Lot of Good podcast with a quick fire round. What makes you feel sexy? Um, my my cape actually kissing me on my neck. It makes me feel really warm inside. Oh, I that's love a it. lovely thing. She should do that to everyone. <laughs> fire out. Okay, if you're listening to this, don't kiss other people. You know. It's just for you. Okay. <laughs> What's your most favourite thing to put in your body? Um... I'm t- I'm, I'm, There's I'm, so I'm, many I'm t- things. I'm just too much of a prude to say anything remotely sexual. Um, so <laughs> that's all she's thinking about now. <laughs> she started off with a kiss on her neck, and now, oh dear, oh <laughs> Back in five minutes. Um, oh god, it probably is food. I, yeah. I, like, I, I mean, I still live for a morning coffee. Like that's that's been made by Kate. If I'm not expecting, if I wake up and she's coming up the stairs with a coffee, that's, that's shit. Um, that's a lovely thing. You, the fact that your partner brings you a coffee in bed. Yeah, I'm like not, lady. not all the time. <laughs> Kate, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> she must listen to this. Um, I think, but I can't live without coffee. Coffee is my life. Yeah. If I, if I, also, if I have a shit coffee, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a mood. Yes, and, and, and there's sometimes no, need for a shit coffee. no, completely, and mm. and like and with tea because sometimes so Kate and I have been together for ten years, mm. and still sometimes she makes tea not to my liking, like and it's always too much milk, which kind of completely ruins it, and I and it gets me down. Like I know yeah. that sounds a bit OTT, but it's just like come on, you know how speak I like your my truth, man. Well, you would have known as you're making it that this isn't that Melissa's not going to like this, but you just carried on with it anyway. Um, yeah. Oh, also, I, I'm ice cream. I live for ice cream, like a good Ooh. ice cream, like a nice soft serve of like an interesting flavour fucking like adore ice cream i could just spend most of the summer in italy trying oh every God. single flavor of ice cream yeah. um oh, what's your favorite ice cream actually um so i had one um there's a place in weymouth called rossi's which is which is really really good um and i had this brown bread ice cream probably about seven or eight years ago at this restaurant near waterloo um and i've had brown bread ice cream before but this it blew my mind it was like the best ice cream i've ever had and and 
like whenever I see brown bread ice cream on a menu, I get really excited, but it's never been as good. Never heard of it in my oh, whole so life. Oh, so good. So I, th- I don't know, but... Um, Does it taste like, like a sourdough? No, no, it's like, I think maybe in my mind, it's like made with sort of slightly dried ice, like breads. Mm. And it is, yeah, because obviously it's brown bread, but I think maybe like they put sugar on it and then they maybe like grill it or something and then they blit- they blitz that. And so there's like a slight caramelisation, but there's like a like a, a, a maltiness to it almost. Um, oh my God. Oh, and there's a place in Herne Hill called... 12 minus 12 degrees and it's called um, and they do a malted dolce de leche ice cream which it comes very close to that rampant ice cream oh it's in the station it's in Hernhill station absolutely delicious all right we have to put all of that in our mouths uh what's your most embarrassing body moment um either the time when I was um I, I was starting out as a journalist I was very enthusiastic and I wore what I thought was a dress, but in hindsight was definitely just a slightly long top. And I think my ass was hanging out. I had tights. Um, I think my ass all the time when I went camping, first camping trip with Kate, and I tried to sneak a little fart out of the tent and it and it made quite a loud noise. <laughs> That's a bit embarrassing. I love a good fart story. It's always good. It's always good. The Hall of Fat Fame. Now, we have a segment called Hall of Fat Fame, and uh, we like to put somebody... Uh, who we love in the, the the Hall of Fame every episode. So who makes you feel fabulous? Who should be in the Hall of Fame for this podcast? Um, I might go for, I think. Um, I think you know her, Sima. Um, Sima, um, Sima Thompson. Um, who, no and, relation? And, and it can be, no, no. <laughs> but, I mean, she is my sister from a, from another mister. Is, um, and, and it can be for any reason. Yeah, any reason at all. So Simon's just awesome. So she runs Masalawala Cafe. They do amazing food. They're in Broccoli near me and their food is just really good. Um, and she's also living with a, um, a cancer diagnosis and she's just, um, she's just, she's just a very cool woman. Mm. And, um, and I kind of have, learned a lot from her and um and she's very philosophical and um and i've just got a lot of time for her and like you know when someone's your mate and you're really glad that like yeah. you sort of like you found them so yeah i think that would be hers and um and my mum's always been very very like nice to me she's always um like been a bit of a cheerleader and used to tell me as a kid even though i was gangly and had like big thick nhs glasses that she'd always tell me that i was beautiful and i think actually that Aww. gave me confidence whereas yeah, I might not have had it otherwise. Words really matter, don't yeah, they? they? Do. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they're going in the Hall of Fame, and and her handle is it? Is it Curry and Cancer? No, she changed it back to Simon Thompson. Okay, um, but her website, her blog is Curry and Cancer. Yeah, awesome. We will put that in the show notes. And finally, Fatspiration. What is your mantra, or what are the words that you live by? I mean, it's, I guess it's not just a mantra, but it's a feeling that I'm having, especially as I'm getting older and things. I see things happening to people around me. It's just. Um, it's just 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 care a bit less actually about mm. stuff and just fucking do stuff. Just do it. Yeah. Because you could you could like you you honestly could be dead tomorrow. Absolutely. Mm. I know. I know it's not a cheery thought, but often often when I think, oh god, this is going to be too hard, or doing something with work, or or running, or whatever, like God, you never know when it's all going to end. Yeah. Just get out there yeah. and do it. Yeah. And and your regrets in life is never shit. I wish I hadn't done that. It's no. like it's the it's like oh, I wish I had done that. Yeah. Like wear that top. Yeah. Wear that. Top that could have been a dress. <laughs> or a dress that could have been. <laughs> Get yourself out there. Eat those chicken wings. Um, well, um, Melissa, you've been an absolute delight. Thank you very much. for We've we've covered a lot of topics here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All over the place. 
So, uh, oh, anyway, I've, I've lost my words. I'm, I'm too busy thinking about chicken wings and all sorts of things. Um, thank you so much. And uh, yes, do follow Matil- Matilda. God, kind of thing. Do follow Melissa at Foul Mouth Food. Uh, her blog is excellent. Her recipe is amazing. And your stories are a delight. And I'm sitting because I've been following, I mean, this is the reveal. I've been following Melissa's uh, kitchen renovation. So I've invited myself just to see. And it's really lovely. <laughs> So look, look at her Instagram for all of that. But um, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Excellent. All right. Till next time, everyone. Bye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed And it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.